Good afternoon. My name is Lina, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the 11 Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies Call about the 2016 presidential race. Our call today will be moderated by Blake Rutherford, a member of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Our speakers, who are live from the RNC in Cleveland, are Mark Alderman, Chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Jim Schultz, Chair of Cozen O'Connor Government Law and Regulatory Affairs Practice Group. All phone lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. If you have questions during the call, submit them via email to presidentialanalysis.cozen.com. Blake Rutherford, you may begin your conference. Thanks, and welcome, everyone, to the 11th uh, call in our uh, series on the 2016 elections. Um, I'm Blake Rutherford, and I'm joined, as always, by Mark Alderman and today by Jim Schultz. Uh, Mark and Jim, uh, we are day two of the Republican National Convention. Jim, you have been in Cleveland now for more than a week uh, managing a variety of convention operations. I first want to welcome both of you to the call. I'm, I'm excited and interested to hear your perspectives on, on this particular convention, what's going on in Cleveland, um, and what we can expect in the days ahead. So, Jim Howard, welcome. I mean, Jim Mark, welcome. My apologies. No, um, thanks for having me here, Blake. Yeah, and uh, so Jim, I want I really want to start with you. Uh, you've been you've been boots on the ground in Cleveland now um, for more than a week. Um, you know, most of us are, are getting you know our first introduction to the convention was was last night um, via television. But I thought we might just start. What what are some of your your early uh, early perspectives on this particular convention based on the time you you've been in Cleveland well last week I was in town um, advising on the platform committee which sets forth the platform for the Republican Party for the next two years and the rules committee which sets the rules for the convention and um, and what we focused on there the inter the interesting thing that came out of the rules committee was the idea that you had this cadre of never Trump uh, supporters uh, that came in. And, and there was also some uh, group of, of delegates who really just wanted to change the rules of the Republican Party in terms of how it's structured and the RNC is structured as a whole. And they kind of came together and came forward with, you know, dozens and dozens of amendments uh, to each of the particular to each of the particular rules, especially uh, those that pertain with the kind of bun, bind unbind uh, issue here, which was whether the delegates coming in who were bound could be unbound to then vote their conscience, so to speak, at the convention. Uh, in the rules committee, which took place last uh, last uh, Thursday, that got knocked down wholesale. Every every amendment that the Never Trump folks put up got knocked down wholesale. Uh, in the in the rules committee, which is made up of uh, two individuals from each of the states and territories that participate in the RNC, it's 112 people. Um, there was not one amendment that was put forth uh, by the folks that were supporting Never Trump uh, that was passed. So fast forward to Monday of the convention, the first day. Uh, one of the first things you do is for the uh, for the platform and rules committee to meet once again. Uh, they approved that officially in their committee 
in their committee room, they bring it out of committee and it goes to the floor and the chairman brings it to a floor vote up or down. Uh, at that time, there is an ability for folks to um, circulate minority reports and, uh, and circulate petitions to have a full roll call vote. And that's what happened in Cleveland yesterday. There was a series of folks in each individual states, and it wasn't the entire delegations of each state, that were pushing forward for this um, roll call vote for the rules in an effort to try to undermine what the rules committee had done um, very transparently and, uh, and in, in full session the week before. Um, that was knocked down once again. In order to uh, bring the full roll call vote, they needed seven states. Uh, the majority of the delegates in seven states to sign on to that particular um, petition. Uh, there were folks that signed on and then decided to sign off those, to get off of those petitions. And ultimately, it was defeated. Uh, there were three states in the end that were on the um, the, uh, the the effort to. Uh, bring the full uh, vote to the floor. Uh, that would have been uh, D.C., Maine, and Minnesota were on and then off again. And there were a number of states where they just couldn't get any support. So in my view at this point, never Trump uh, effort is, is done. Uh, this party has, um, has defeated uh, that effort, which was a very small handful of folks here at the convention. And we're going to be focused on last night. We were focused on uh, keeping America safe again, national security and law enforcement. Tonight, it's going to be all about jobs and the economy, uh, making America work again. So that's that's kind of where we are in a nutshell from last week it, to this week. Oh, well, that's incredibly insightful, Jim. And, and, I, and I appreciate it. I wanted to wanted to follow up with you on on one one point, which is one of the one of the other outcomes of the last week was was the platform itself and the, the policies and principles adopted in in that platform and on previous calls we've 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 talked a little bit about the the conservative nature of the Republican Party platform and the rather liberal nature of the Democratic Party platform. I wondered if you might just elaborate on on the platform discussions and 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 your reactions to to the outcome from a political and policy perspective um, of what's in the Republican Party platform this cycle? Um, look, there, it was a very conservative platform that came through this, uh, this platform committee. Uh, the Trump campaign didn't uh, insert itself all that much in the platform efforts in terms of they wanted to let the committee kind of do what they do and come to a platform that they could all agree upon. Uh, it was two days of of both. It started in each individual um, each individual committee, like national security was one of the committees. Uh, another committee is energy and resources, just for example. And the, the subcommittees would work. They put a <clears throat> they pull together a subcommittee report that goes to the to the platform the committee. The platform committee, again, made up of 120, 112 delegates, two from each state and territory that participate, then ultimately vote on this. And yes, we had a pretty conservative platform coming out, but that's kind of how the sausage is made. It's like, it's like any other legislative process. The Republicans on the Republican side of the aisle uh, were very, very transparent. We're very, very in, engaged with, our, with, the, with the delegates, and they have a lot of say. And, you know, you're going to have folks from each side of the party, and particularly on the LGBT issues, um, you saw a very impassioned speech during the, uh, during the platform committee of the first uh, um, 
lesbian, openly lesbian member of that committee, um, you know, asking us to kind of dial back on those issues and kind of be, you know, more moderate, be more accepting. And, you know, it is what it is. The platform committee voted to, um, to knock down some of those amendments. And, uh, and we have a very, very conservative platform, both on the social issues, also on immigration and the wall, although it didn't include, you know, that Mexico was going to pay for it. And we also have a very, very strong, probably the strongest platform on Israel that we've ever had. And that's a place where the Trump campaign uh, inserted itself and asked for kind of the two-state solution of having this, you know, Palestinian and Israeli uh, dual state um, you know, solution uh, that was taken out of the Republican platform, and and we have very very strong language in uh, is, uh, pro-Israel. You know, Jim, one of the one of the big obviously events of last week is all of this other uh, all of these other things were taking place is the announcement of Trump's vice presidential pick, uh, Governor Mike Pence of of Indiana. You were in Cleveland when when that announcement was made. How is how is that decision resonating with? with the delegates and party insiders in Cleveland? Look, there's no secret that, that the, um, that the uh, conservative, the very ultra-conservative side of this party, it was a, it's a little skeptical of Donald Trump's <clears throat> conservative credentials as it pertains to some of the social issues. Uh, Mike Pence is certainly conservative uh, on the social issues, but he also brings uh, to the table incredible experience Having been a congressman for um, a decade and uh, and also been a governor of a of a, of a very important state and uh, having that executive experience and understanding of Washington is something I think that's viewed favorably both from insiders and from the folks who are you know out the the, the GOP electorate if you will um, I've seen uh, a lot of folks very very pleased on the GOP side with that pick he's a very measured guy he's very um, even. And and he's not a guy that's going to make mistakes. And I think everybody kind of sees that and sees him as a positive uh, thing for this ticket. You know, one of the one of the other narratives that that certainly was building um, before yesterday and we'll and we'll get to the events of yesterday in a minute is is kind of who's not at this convention Um, and the, the notable absence, both as part of the speaking program of what. We might consider to be, you know, your traditional political heavyweights, but also people who just aren't present. And that's caused um, some controversy, most notably um, because Governor John Kasich and the convention is in his home state and he's not there. And the Trump campaign has had some pretty pointed uh, words to say about about his absence. What what do we make of that, Jim? Is that is that is that all a little too insider baseball or is there a. Is, is there is there a different feel of this convention because of who's not present? I don't think the convention has a different feel. Certainly, it's noticeable. The Bush family is not there. Form, uh, you know, the only, the former nominee Bob Dole, I believe, is the only former nominee that is that is attending and did attend last night. Um, and and I thought he said it very well. And uh, you know, he said, when asked what you know why he came to the convention versus the other folks, he said, "Why wouldn't I be here? Right? This is this is what we do. I'm a Republican. This is a Republican convention. Um, how it impacts the electorate going forward, I don't think it has a whole lot of impact on the electorate going forward, and even in the particular states. I mean, we've seen that um, you know at least through the primary cycle with folks who are 
you know, in the GOP, uh, you know, hand, Donald Trump handedly winning state after state after state. Um, I just think that um, it's kind of a, you know, he's gotten beyond and above kind of the, 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 par, the, the, uh, the infighting here in the party. And it's really, you know, at the end of the day, we care what the, he's going to care what the electorate uh, has to say, not so much about what John Kasich has to say. But I do think that, you know, there's a little bit of um, party, there's a little bit of tension there because those folks aren't showing. But, you know, all, you know, but also um, Paul Ryan's coming tonight. Right. We got Kevin McCarthy speaking tonight. Uh, we have Chris Christie speaking tonight. All, you know, stars in the Republican Party, if you will. Um, Mike Pence on the VP ticket. I think that means a lot when you have somebody, you know, if his credential joining the ticket. And I think that minimizes any impact of the Bushes with their sour grapes over the over the uh, over the um, loss in the primary or John Kasich or anybody Rubio pick 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 any one of them. Mark, uh, you, you've been on the ground in, in Cleveland for, for a little more than 24 hours. Um, I really, before we dive into the, to the events of, of last night and the, and the issues of today, um, uh, from your perspective, how, what's happening in Cleveland? Um, and what are your initial reactions to, to both the way the, the city's responding to the convention and, and the convention itself? The city is handling the convention in the 24-plus hours I've been here, Blake, very, very well. Everybody has been very friendly and very helpful. It is a, a very secure feeling in downtown Cleveland. It is a bit of an armed camp. There is a tremendous police and security presence, but it feels very calm and it feels very peaceful. And that is, of course, what everybody wants. I think that the logistics of staging something like this are formidable. I think the city and, for that matter, the party uh, have, have done a very good job of putting it all together until you walk into the hall. And once you walk into the hall, it is everything that you and Jim were just discussing, but I, of course, see just about all of that a little differently. I do agree with Jim that Mike Pence is the governor of a very important state since I grew up in Indiana. But but other than that, uh, I'm having trouble agreeing with, with very much of what of what Jim had to say. It does not feel to me like a unified party with what happened yesterday on the floor. Jim has his explanation and he, he was there. I don't quarrel with the facts of how it happened, but I think uh, characterizing it as just a few people is, uh, is not what I saw in any event. We have the whole controversy I know we will get to about uh, Melania Trump's speech. We have the campaign chairman ripping the governor of Ohio for making a big mistake for not coming into the hall. It, it, it feels very organized. It feels very friendly. It feels very safe on the outside. It does not feel unified to me on the inside. 
Jim, I want to I want to come back to 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 that to to something that that, that Mark just said and, and and build upon it and get your reactions to it. I mean the you know the 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 Trump campaign has has kind of prided itself. I think you, you'll agree with with its ability to to execute um, in in sort of this television space. Um, but this convention, and we could argue it. Uh, the time frame, the uh, the lack of, of experience, certainly the Trumps never having participated in something like this before, it, it, it seems a little less choreographed than I expected it to be. Um, and last night wasn't without some pretty significant challenges. Uh, before we get into the specifics, I, I wanted to just, A, get your response to to Mark's commentary and, and get a sense of do you do you feel that maybe they're they're kind of uh, they're finding their sea legs a little bit in in terms of, of pulling off an event of this magnitude? Uh, I think that look that la- I thought last night's event was done very well. I thought Rudy Giuliani did a fantastic job last evening. Um, we had some great speakers and coming back to it, I mean there are countless governors here. Uh, in Cleveland, uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson from Arkansas. Um, we have uh, we have a number of governors that are participating in Republican Governor Association events and standing on the floor and standing up and and are going to be nominating Donald Trump for president. So the fact that you know there is a group of Never Trump, there was a movement for Never Trump. I, I mean that was well documented and you know handedly shot down. And I think what you're going to say, I mean, like any other, like any time, you're going to have party disagreements. But at the end of the day, they're going to come together and and we're going to, you know, the the large majority of the of the leaders in this party are going to be behind the candidate. Um, A few a governor here or there or a former nominee here or there or a candidate may have the former candidate sour grapes, I think, has a little, you know, less impact on what we're going to, you know, see going forward in terms of the logistics. Um, you know, the Melania Trump thing, and uh, I guess that's what we're getting to. Um, look, there, that is what it is. You had about, you know, 93% of what she said or 90% of what she said was, was not in any way, shape, or form close to the Michelle Obama uh, speech from a number of years ago. Uh, there were some lines in there that, that, were, that were similar, but I think the fact of the matter is uh, she did a nice job explaining uh, – you know, and talking about her husband in the way and, and, and how he relates to his family. And he's a family man, a good father, uh, a good husband, very engaged with his, with his children and with his wife. Um, something that uh, I think softens him a bit uh, to the rest of the world, uh, if, you know, if that's possible. But I think, I think that's something that we saw last night. Um, she came off uh, very, in a very, very credible way last evening. And it was somewhat, you know, undermined by this whole issue of the, of the, you know, lines that were that were similar in the speech. But I think we're not going to be talking about this 24 hours from now. We're going to be back to talking about the the woman in this race who's actually on the ticket, uh, and not the person who isn't. Mark, I want to I want to get your get your thoughts and reactions to to Melania Trump's speech. Um, you know, certainly it is it is the talk of it is the talk of. Uh, of everything today, um, you know, you can't you can't turn on television or, or scan Twitter and and not and not see a discussion of of Melania Trump's speech, which you know 
I don't think it is where the Trump campaign wanted the day two narrative to go. But what do you make of what do you make of the speech and 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 the press's reaction to it? I think that Melania Trump was very impressive and poised. I thought she did the second best job ever of delivering that speech. <laughs> and that's the problem with it. It was clearly plagiarized in significant passages from Michelle Obama's speech in 2008. Let's deal with reality. Donald Trump is supposed to be a reality television star. The reality is that however it happened, and I do not believe that Melania Trump is responsible for it, but however it happened, significant passages of that speech were stolen. And the problem with that is that it happened. The problem with that is that it speaks to the organization of this campaign, which is not ready for a primetime event like this convention. And even more troubling to me, far more troubling than the fact that it happened, is the manner in which it has been handled since then. There is no acknowledgement of the reality that it happened. There is no apology for the reality of what happened. There is instead the, the typical Trump response, not yet from the candidate himself, of blaming the media and blaming the Clinton campaign and blaming everyone except whomever actually did this. The core of Donald Trump's argument to the country that he should be president is that he's a businessman and he knows how to get things done. That this could have happened to his wife in front of 35 million Americans really rebuts the, the, the core of, of that argument, I believe. And I also uh, have to say that the, the Giuliani speech is, to me, a symptom of what is wrong with the convention and, and what I do not believe you will see next week in, in Philadelphia, Blake. And that is that the convention is not reaching out to the country. The convention is a celebration of the people who brought Donald Trump here it is playing to the people in that hall, most but not all of whom are supporting Trump. And I have seen no reach out to the wider country and certainly not to the undecided independent voters who are going to actually decide this election. So to me, it is a narcissistic convention which uh, – is about what I would expect from this candidate, Jim. I want to I, I want to give you a, give you a chance to respond to that. I, sus I suspect that you will, but it, but I, it is it is I think a a point that 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 I noticed. And, and granted, we've only been through one day of this convention, um, but certainly you know Trump Trump's goal obviously is is to win this election, and 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 in order to do that, he's got to grow the Republican Party beyond where it was and. In 2012, do you think that this convention is is aimed at at achieving that? And if so, and if so, how do you see um, today and 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 the next 
three days, really broadening Trump's reach to that wider audience Mark described? Look, you know, and and it kind of feeds into my response to Mark is that, you know, I I think the problem with the Democratic Party is that they're unwilling to recognize their mistakes when it comes to foreign policy, safety, dividing this country and the law enforcement capacity. All of that came home last night in a very, very um, convincing way. And I think Rudy Giuliani did a very nice job of pointing out that our country is just not as safe as it was. And under the under the Clinton-Obama policies, we have become weaker. Our friends don't trust us. Our enemies don't fear us. And, and I think that's something that's going to resonate with all Americans. You talk about bringing you know, more people to the party. People have serious concerns about national security and local security right now in this environment. And I think that's something that's going to re- resonate with all, folks from all walks of life. Same thing on the jobs and the economy front tonight. There's, you know, we've lost manufacturing jobs with the Obama administration's overregulation of a number of industries, including the, the coal industry. Um, and, you know, th- that's something that people are out of work. They're not happy about it. They, they want to get they want a, a fresh start. And they don't feel like the same. I, I don't think they're going to see the same old, same old as something that's going to, um, you know, put them back in jobs. Another four years or eight years of what's already been happening to this country isn't something that they'll be interested in. Um, so but I think that's that's the place where, you know, the blue collar Democrats um, in West Virginia, Western Pennsylvania, you know, a lot of folks, Northeast Philadelphia, Delaware County, uh, Pennsylvania, places where you have, you know, manufacturing jobs or that have go- been lost or, you know, in our case, uh, refinery jobs and petrochemical jobs. This is something that people are very, very concerned about, and I think it's going to draw them in. So, Mark, though, I mean, you know, you've, you've participated in, in many, many political conventions, and, you know, one of the, one of the opportunities that conventions provide is, is for the campaign to really – capitalize on on the theater of politics and you know trump's day one i am not sure we we could categorize it successfully not from a not from a partisan political perspective but from the fact that all we're talking about today we're not talking about any of the issues that 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 jim described or that or that people who took to the podium last night um you know spoke about we're simply talking about whether or not um the the a potential first lady of the united states plagiarized um a speech in front of 35 million people that's that's not a a great start to a political convention in my view it would seem but i want to i want to get your thoughts about the theater of all of this and the optics of all this well let's talk about donald trump's introduction of himself to his own party, uh, not political party, but uh, nomination party. Donald Trump entered the, uh, the convention in a cloud of purple smoke with Queen We Are the Champions playing. And if you didn't know where you were, you could easily have thought that you were at a 
WWF event was theatrical and it was not serious. The the problem with this candidacy is that it is all imagery and not serious imagery. It requires everybody is concerned about security for this country, Jim. Of course, both parties and everyone who isn't in either party is. But the safety of this country requires a stable, serious leader, not someone who enters in a puff of purple smoke with Queen playing and can only imagine what Freddie Mercury would think of Donald Trump using that song, Were, uh, were He Alive? But the, the foreign policy of the nominee is something that he has said he gets from watching television and talking to himself because he has an excellent brain. And he thinks that maybe we should give South Korea and Japan nuclear weapons. He thinks maybe we should withdraw from NATO. He won't rule out using nuclear weapons in Europe. This is not serious. This is not stable. This is some sort of narcissistic pageantry, and it it isn't going to make America safe again. (laughs) Jim, I want to give you an opportunity uh, to to respond to that, look, I, I mean the the Democratic Party is putting up a candidate who the American people fundamentally don't trust, and they shouldn't trust her. She's lied time and time again. She lied to the faces of the of the of the victims' families in the Benghazi disaster. She lied about whether she carried two cell phones. She lied about whether she received or sent classified information. She lied about uh, whether she turned over all the documents when, in fact, many of them were likely destroyed. She just has a fundamental problem with telling the truth. She lied then. She continues to lie now, and she's going to continue to lie to the American people throughout this campaign. And if she, and, and if she were to win the presidency, likely to lie them. Lie to them, continue to lie to them into her term as president. So, uh, you know, I, I think that you know, if we're going to take shots at at candidates and their qualifications, trust has to be number one, especially in an environment that is so volatile, both here at home and abroad. She's not going to gain the trust of the American people. She's not going to gain the trust of our allies, and quite frankly, she's not going to gain the respect of our enemies. Let's come. But, but, let's come back to Blake. I, I have to wrap. Yeah. What's that? I have to wrap. I have to go. Oh yeah. Okay. Floor. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, you bet. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yep, thank you. Bye bye. Mark, I wanna I wanna I wanna come back to to the convention itself um, and talk about day two. Day two of the Republican National Convention is make America work again. And some of the people we're going to hear from, we're going to hear from Dana White, who's the president of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. We're going to hear from two Arkansans, Asa Hutchinson, the governor, and Leslie Rutledge, the attorney general. Um, We're going to hear from Michael Mukasey, the former U.S. attorney general. Um, We're going to hear from the NRA. We're going to hear from a professional golfer. And then we're going to hear from Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy, Chris Christie, um, before we get to um, the Trump children. 
Um, what do you what do you expect to see? You know, on day two, um, what what is as you hear that lineup? What do you what do you expect to hear? Um, and 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 let's start there. And then I I want to ask you a bit more about some of the speakers in particular. Well, two things, Blake, uh, and I feel bad saying all this without Jim there to rebut it. Although. I also think a lot of this just simply has no rebuttal, but I recognize that I can get a little partisan sometimes. I, I do not think that a professional golfer or the UFC chair or the NRA, for that matter, I don't think the UFC, the NRA, and the PGA are the organizations that I would turn to were I looking for economic policy for the United States in the 21st century. I think it's further evidence of the fact that this is not a serious candidacy and that it is much more about the people that Donald Trump knows and the people that Donald Trump likes to spend his time with, that is, golf courses and resorts. I think, uh, I think also, though, that you have people taking the stage tonight in Paul Ryan, in, in Mitch McConnell, for that matter, in, in Chris Christie in a prior life, who have called out Donald Trump on some of the most heinous parts of his program, most specifically the unconstitutional and un-American ban on Muslims. So, again, I, I, I do not feel granted from, from the other side of the aisle, but I, I do not feel that we are going to feel a tremendous sense of unity and, and togetherness in the Republican Party with this with this lineup, Mark, do you, Jim Jim said that, that 24 hours from now we wouldn't be talking about the the Melania Trump speech. Um, uh, you know, do you think that's right? I mean, do you do you feel like that this is something that that goes away in a day, or or, or is this is this one going to linger throughout this convention? Well, Blake, <laughs> you know, I. I'm laughing at myself because just about everything I've said so far this cycle about Donald Trump has been uh, disproven in a day or two by Donald Trump. And I guess I'm going to I'm going uh, to go with the odds uh, in answering your question. The odds are that something else is going to happen that is going to knock the Melania Trump speech off the uh, the front pages because that's been the history of this candidacy. It is one outrage after another, and just when you think uh, you couldn't possibly get any more controversial uh, than the last one, uh, he comes up with the next one. So I'm I'm going to agree with Jim on on a second thing. I agree that Indiana is an important state, and I agree that we'll be talking about the next Trump debacle tomorrow. Well, it it it, it certainly um, it certainly seems like um, you know from from my own perspective 
that that yesterday just just went about as about as poorly as 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 any campaign could hope simply because you know there you just you simply didn't execute right speakers ran long um the music wasn't choreographed well Joni Ernst who you know Trump and many Republicans believe is a rising star in that party spoke to a near empty hall well after 11 o'clock um and then the the Melania Trump um, plagiarism issue, which, which again, is just everywhere you turn in the political news today, um, that's the discussion. And, and I think it, it, it sets, a, sets a pretty poor tone for what it is that Trump needs to achieve and seems to also at the same time really narrow the window of, of persuadables who could be engaging in this convention. I mean, 35 million people watching television last night, not a not an insignificant audience. Um, day two, uh, bringing certainly some heavy bats to 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 the stage. Um, what do you expect, you know, from I mean, Chris Christie's been in the news uh, quite a bit. I mean, a, a finalist, it seems, in the in the Trump VP stakes, a, a big defender of, of Donald Trump, including um, a line that, that we heard Jim use today, which is, you know, 93% of Melania's speech was, was in her own words, um, but, but, a, but a big defender of Trump. What do, you, what do you expect to hear from Christie tonight? Christie will fundamentally be the attack dog on the stage tonight, I suspect. I think he'll be up there to tear apart Hillary Clinton. Sure, he'll defend Melania. Sure, he'll say something about Donald. But mostly I expect him to be negative and and then some. Uh, his, his keynote address four years ago at the 2012 Republican uh, convention went about 30 minutes, if I recall, before he mentioned for the first time the nominee. Uh, maybe, maybe he'll break that record tonight. Who knows? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, certainly much has been made about, um, you know, the, the, the frosty relationship that, that Trump has with certain um, members of of House and, and Senate Republicans, but we do have the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, and the Speaker of the House, um, Paul Ryan, talking tonight. Are we going to hear uh, a message that's that's consistent with, with Trump's platform, or are we going to see uh, McConnell and Ryan veer off and talk about their own legislative priorities, the, the their vision of a party which it's possible could be rather different than the vision Donald Trump has articulated. What do you expect from McConnell and Ryan? Boy, that is such a good question and obviously would have been uh, better asked uh, of Jim were he here. But uh, Speaker Ryan uh, was here the other day. He had uh, an event at which he said that Donald Trump was not his kind of conservative. And I, I think that both McConnell and Ryan are going to attempt to, 
to do a high wire act. I think they are going to try to walk a tightrope uh, right across the uh, convention floor without falling off, endorsing Trump while uh, while advocating for a program with which Trump is in near total disagreement. It it's going to be it's going to be working without a net and and their formidable uh, political figures, maybe they can get away with it. I will say one thing uh, uh, that I'm sure Jim would agree with were were he on the phone. Uh, It'll be real interesting to hear from the kids. Every indication I get is that these kids, who are, of course, adults, they are Trump's children, are, are terrific people and very significant and substantial in their own right. And I think it'll be very, very interesting to to hear from them. I would expect them to be the highlight of the evening, frankly. Yeah, that that was where I was I was going. Where we we've got speech tonight from Tiffany Trump and from Donald Trump Jr. Um, and and such begins the 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 opportunity for the for the children who played a very visible role in the in, in the campaign. But we've heard. I think more from Ivanka than than we have um, the others. She, of course, is speaking on Thursday night. Um, so, so you you sort of beat me to my question was, um, you know, where do you think the real highlights come tonight? And 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 you said you think from from Trump's children. Well, Mark, I know you've got um, you got a lot going on in Cleveland. I want to thank Jim who who had to jump off to to tend to his um, responsibilities with the. With the Trump campaign, but but certainly wanted to thank him for for joining us and giving us that that perspective. I want to thank everybody um, who has who has called in. We will we will um, continue to to provide updates from Cleveland. Mark, I know you're going to be on NBC 10 tonight here in Philadelphia. For those of you that are that are that are in this market, you'll you'll be on right. NBC 10 tonight. Um, Jim and talking- I from uh, seven to eight. Right, seven day you and Jim. So I would certainly encourage anyone in Philadelphia to tune in, um, watch that, and, and get get a get an even uh, broader perspective on on the day's events once they once the convention gavels in. Um, and then next week we're we're live from Philadelphia. So um, looking looking forward to that. Well, Mark, I want to I, I want to thank you for for your time. I want to thank everyone uh, who dialed in to uh, to listen to us um, and look for us. Um, to be back with you next week uh, from the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. So thanks again, Mark, and thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Blake.